Hello, everyone. Welcome to Reservations. We are your hosts. I'm Rain Whalen. And I'm the host with the most. You mean the ghost with the most? No, I mean host with the most. Because nah. I'm also a host. No, nah, you mean ghost with the most. Yeah, I'm the ghost with the most. I'm the ghost with the most, babe. Yeah, I'm the ghost with the most, babe. You know, I'm surprised we haven't talked about that movie yet. I mean... <laughs> maybe but we can't say his name uh, more, I know. Than, more than twice, then, uh, I know. then we'll summon him. I know. And I don't feel like dealing with that. I also don't feel like it. You know, it, it's not... It's the obligation of... You know, having to try to put him back, and it's also the guilt of having caused everything. You know, I'm just yeah. like I'd, I'd rather stay away from it. Yeah, I know. One of my favorite jokes, by the way, in in Ted Two, <laughs> which is a weird weird movie <laughs> to talk about today, but anyway, um, is <laughs> Mark Wahlberg goes, "Dude, we can get Beetlejuice here, man." Okay, I'll just say his name real quick. Beetlejuice, and he goes, "Amy, what the fuck are you doing, man? Pull that shit out." Cut the shit. <laughs> it's so funny, dude. I, I laugh every time. Yeah. Uh, maybe it was Ted who was trying to get me to do I don't. I've never seen Ted 2. Everyone, everyone told me not to watch it. It's great. I like it. Uh, well, I love the first one. There's some, there's some really great uh, good bits. We were talking about Beetlejuice, by the way. And so, uh, you know, kind of keeping with that. Uh, we're not going to talk about a Tim Burton movie <laughs> movie today. Wonderful segue, Ryan. It's like I was I was trying to do a good bit because uh, my uh, my friend Fern did that. Fern uh, sounds fake. Nah. Okay. Uh, someone was uh, asking if he was going to go out with them, and he's like, "You know, I won't." <laughs> and so I was I was trying I was trying to do that. Yeah, that's pretty. Funny. Uh, you know. And firstly, guys, before we really get into it, um, I apologize for how I sound. I'm getting over being sick. Yeah, why, yeah, you've been really gross lately. Why this episode? Uh, I mean, it's still gonna come out. Oh yeah, it'll still come out on, on time. Two, yeah, on, on yeah. time. But uh, we're recording it the day before, which yeah. is unusual. Usually, we do it on Saturdays. Yeah, but it's all right. I feel like we're still just as prepared and just as uh, feel like it's fine. Silly. I mean, my dad will get to hear this tomorrow because I know. Oh shit, dude. <laughs> Because I know that's why he, uh, you know, that's, that's what he looks forward to, uh, forward to on his Tuesdays. It's the only thing keeping him alive. Oh, my God. <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> Not the fact that he has two sons and a job. Yeah, this is the only and thing is uh, published in um, Texas Monthly. Which, actually, I just saw, you know, speaking of my father, this comes out on his birthday tomorrow. No way. Well, happy birthday, Mr. Yeah. Whalen. So, uh, happy birthday, Dad. Uh, again, my dad was published in uh, Texas Monthly. Did you know that? I did not. I'll send you the link. You okay, should read it. It's okay. pretty cool. Okay. Uh, 11 years ago. Oh. Maybe Texas <laughs> you Monthly. Know, you made it sound like it was like yesterday. <laughs> nah. No, I mean, I mean. But I mean, it's still a, a big accomplishment. Yeah. And Mr. Whalen died. I'm proud of you. <laughs> which is more than my dad would say. Um, anyway. That's all my dad wanted to hear is uh, that you were proud of him, Jamie. Yeah. Um, again, this podcast is the only thing that is keeping him alive. <laughs> so I feel like I owe it to him to at least tell him I'm proud of him. <laughs> so, uh, so for this week, everyone, we I've been wanting to, to talk about a Chris Nolan movie. Uh, I would say for a while I've been thinking about telling you that I wanted to do a Chris Nolan movie, but, uh-huh. you know, the few I've seen, I feel like we would need to seriously dedicate some time, like Interstellar, like really discuss Interstellar from a story, technical, you know, the yeah. whole thing. Um, same with the Dark Knight trilogy. Like, we would really have to dedicate some time and not the not saying that this one did not does not deserve the same time. No, it's just, just a little bit more 
it's a little easier to talk about this movie because it's based on historical events and is, I would say, probably the most historical accurate war film I've seen. Okay. I mean, excluding, hopefully, the upcoming film 1917 by well, Sam Mendes, right, 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 I right, cannot right. wait to see that. Yeah, nah, neither, neither can I. It, yeah. looks, it looks fantastic. Yeah, it looks amazing. Um, but we were talking about Dunkirk. Dunkirk. Uh, which is a place in France uh, during the Second World War. I apologize. So, yeah, um, you know, so Dunkirk is a uh, town, city in wow. France. <laughs> <All right. laughs> and during the uh, Second World War, um, Germany had pushed the Allied forces, you know, the French, the Dutch, and the British, uh, into Dunkirk and had essentially cornered them against the sea. Yeah. Um, and so the only way these men were getting off that, uh, getting out of there, were either they were going to be killed, taken prisoner, or commit suicide because they were going to be taken alive. Right. And, you know, in all the research I did about the movie, they said that this was a real turning point mm-hmm. in the war because if 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 Germany had killed these men, then Britain would have had no choice but to surrender. Right. Because, you know, there were 350,000 British soldiers. That's a lot. Yeah, yeah. Which I would say is probably a good chunk of their army. Mm-hmm. You know, because Britain... Unlike uh, America, Britain didn't really have a very well-established air force like the like the American military. Am I incorrect or 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 what? I'm sorry. Oh Jesus Christ! Um, but anyway, I'm letting you ramble. Um, okay, so <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah, uh, I do want to talk about. Mainly just the opening shot. So the opening shot is yeah. brilliant because it's the, the flyers falling from the sky, mm-hmm. which I really, really like. I like the, um, the way that looks. That the German forces were essentially dropping over as a yeah. scare tactic, right? Right, as a taunt, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, just the, the way they were floating down, and there's so many of them. And um, my favorite part about the movie is you don't see the Germans. Right. Right? Germans are always behind the camera. Mm-hmm. Um, or obstructed by view, right? Mm-hmm. Like when they're in the Dutch boat, you can't see them, but they're using it as target practice, right? Mm-hmm. And they're in the boat. Yeah. And, and I think the most Germans we see is during the uh, dogfights. Or at the very, very end when Tom Hardy lights his plane on fire and, and, gets, yeah, gets, and captured. gets captured, right? Yeah. Um, but they're, even then they're blurry and out, they're out of focus and they're in the background in the shadows. Yeah. Um, so I really like that, that we are really just focusing on the allies mm-hmm. and their struggle to get off this this country, right? Mm-hmm. To, to get out of it, right? right? To get off the beach. Um, and my second favorite thing is the... Um, is the reason for our title uh, today is the is the split of the the narratives right of the the one week the one day and the one hour mm-hmm. um, and of course my favorite being the one hour being with my boy Tom in the sky mm-hmm. uh, yeah I, I love do Tom which, Hardy which very much. Uh, I can't wait till till we get towards the end with him because I've I've got so much to say on oh that. yeah that was that's great um, okay 
So we did that. Um, I really want to talk because I know my boy Zach's listening. Uh, what's up, buddy? Um, he brought up a really interesting point about one of the main characters, mm-hmm. uh, and is Mr. Dawson. Mr. Dawson is on the the, the, boat. the moonstruck, right? I don't know what it's called. Um, the the boat with the with the two boys, right? Right, right? And they are going to Dunkirk. That's where they pick up Killian Murphy, blah, mm-hmm. blah, Um And they're the one-day storyline, right? Yes, they are the one-day. They are um, one of the civilian boats going out to Dunkirk to pick up soldiers, soldiers. right? Right. So um, his, his take on it, which is really fascinating, uh, Zach, my boy, um, he was saying that, you know, uh, Mr. Dawson is so dedicated to getting to Dunkirk, right? Mm-hmm. He, he has to be a part of this rescue. And a lot of it, you know, according to Zach, and I agree, uh, has to do with his, like, survivor's guilt, right? Uh, you think that he might have, and of course this is all speculation, uh, might have this survivor's guilt for... You know, being a part of the First World War, mm-hmm. seeing all of his friends die and him surviving, right? Mm-hmm. But then at the end, you find out that his son has died uh, in would, the Second World War, right? He died in the first, I think they said the first three weeks yeah. of the war. And so now he's just like, you know, this is sort of a second chance to not only um, serve his country, but to possibly die doing so, mm-hmm. right? He's willing to go above and beyond right mm-hmm. um, especially when uh, you know he, he essentially has been lying to Killian Murphy like yeah yeah we'll, we'll take you back to England yeah and then they lock him in the the, the it's not a hold no almost like it's, a cubby it's a, yeah cause it's a it's his boat you know what I mean yeah uh, it's not a military vessel mm-hmm. um, and it, you know this brings up a good point where I had never heard this story before Okay. Uh, I'm not a history dude. I don't do like history stuff. Uh, <laughs> His story? Yeah, I don't do that kind of stuff. Like, um, so I didn't know anything about this, okay. um, and so it was really cool learning about the the rescue of the soldiers at Dunkirk and the the fact of the civilian ships. I didn't know that they did stuff like that. You see, I that was really interesting. I'm I'm big on history. I love history. But um, when it comes to stuff like this, yeah, I, I don't – I didn't know either. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean like I knew – I knew the severity of Dunkirk, mm-hmm. but I never really knew what happened, nor did I know about the civilian boats either. Yeah, I so. did, yeah, that was uh, that was really interesting. I didn't know that they you know, uh, asked civilians to bring their boats to rescue because they're so close. Yeah. You know, that's another thing that how close they were – yeah, because it only yeah, because since they're the one day storyline, it only really takes them to get right a day. And you know when when you first get those title cards, the the mole one day, the sea, or the mole one week, the sea one day, the air one hour. I thought that was from England to Dunkirk. If you were to I, I, this is stupid, but again, this is what I thought at first when I saw it in the theater that to walk it, it would take a week. To, to boat would be a day, and then to fly, and to fly would be an hour. I, I thought they were telling me how close they are, uh, but instead it's um, how long the storylines are. Yes, right. Um, which again, either way, I was in. Right. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until we see Killian Murphy in the week storyline 
that after I was like, we'd oh. already, after we already seen him yeah. in the one day story. Yeah, line. these aren't happening at the same time. They overlap, mm-hmm. right? And I was like, oh, it's they're there for a week, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and golly, I mean, you're just like a week, you know? That's a really long time. I know, man. Oh. <laughs> and be stuck there. You know, and I have a question for you. Um, you know, speaking of, I'm glad you kind of brought up Mr. Dawson and the one day storyline a little bit. Um, when, um, you know, he agrees to go to the Navy that, yes, you can use my boat and, you know, we'll go out there and we'll help. Mm. Um, but you know, they shove off Mm. when I guess the military are going through and checking all the boats. Yeah. Uh, maybe I missed it or maybe I didn't catch it. But why did they decide that they were just going to go ahead and shove off before the Navy had anything to say or do? Probably just in case they would have told him, "No, you can't. You can't sail the boat yourself." Maybe uh, okay. I, that's what I that that was my. I mean, that thing, would make sense. Was right, and that plays into the sort of theory that Zach has as mm-hmm. well. Is that you know he's going to be the one to do it. He's not going to. I mean, it's not enough just to lend his boat. He needs to do it, right? He needs to go out there. Right. I mean, and that makes sense because, you know, the line is, you know, he, uh, because as they're telling George, you know, if, if the country wants my boat, they can have it. Yeah. But, uh, and then even his son's like, and his son, but. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. That and, he and would, it would make sense that his son would be a part of it too, because again, he sort of feels a, an obligation to serve his country because his brother has died as well, right? And right. So it's the same sort of motivation. Right. Georgie, on the other hand, is my least favorite subplot. Um, <laughs> I really didn't like the that he died, um, not for any sort of emotional reason. I don't have those. Um, Just the... I didn't like the way he died, I guess. Is that Killian Murphy accidentally knocked him down the stairs? Yes. And it, I thought... And I, of course, I'm probably wrong. I just thought it was an unnecessary subplot. Um, I, I don't see it as... Uh, a story arc for either of them for Killian. And the only the only way it would make sense to me is at the at the end. Uh, the blonde kid tells Killian the kid's okay, right, and that George is okay. It's just so the guilt won't kill him, right? Um, but again, that scene, unless it's a true story and these people actually existed, which I'm not sure. No, from what I from the research I gathered, a lot of these characters weren't necessarily made for the f- movie, but, you know, they were made to go through the same things that, I see. you know, Chris did his research on and interviewed, yeah, yeah. you know. Um, so maybe there was a story like that. Right? Maybe. You wanted to add it in there. And, and I think that, and I think the other thing too was, is, you know, they were, everyone was being honored, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. with Dunkirk. So maybe it was a situation of George had to die and he would still be honored as a hero. Maybe to show the audience that everyone was honored during the, I guess. Maybe. I, guess maybe. I don't know. Again, I don't know. I, don't know. I, I think it also was important to show how, you know, how much in shock Killian was, right? Mm-hmm. After getting struck by the U-boat. But again, they could have told that a different way. I don't know. I, 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 I've always disliked that subplot. Because yeah. I've seen the movie a few times. Right. Um, but I'm always like, oh, that's right, the Georgie thing. You know? I was yeah. like, eh, it seems unnecessary. To me. And I did kind of find it a little humorous at the end of the movie. 
when, you know, the son, Peter, I think his name is, you know, he's trying to tell all the soldiers they're pulling up on board. You know, be careful, be careful. And Harry Styles. Yeah, if anyone didn't know, Harry Styles is in this movie. Oh, yeah, Harry Styles, my boy. Harry Styles. Uh, from 1D. Uh, yeah, 1D. Um, um, anyway, but he's like, you know, he's dead, mate. And then he's like, well, then be careful with him. Mm-hmm. And he just kind of slides him over. Like, yeah. Well, and then they cover him. I mean, they, they I know, they but I was like, huh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I didn't make you that. No so, um, funny that you bring up Harry Styles because uh, apparently, and I had read this when the movie came out, so it's been a few years, but um, apparently Christopher Nolan really underestimated how famous Harry Styles is. Oh, yeah. I remember all these news articles about. Because he, when he had hired Harry Styles, he was just like, yeah, I mean, as a. He was in some sort of band, but, you know, he's British and it'll work. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he seems... But, I mean, I, they had to hire, like, extra security. They had to, like... Because of the the mob of people that would that would show up. Yeah, because I think... Because he is so unbelievably famous. Because I think this was during his rise of... Solo. Solo. Yeah, you this know, is his solo stuff. 1D broke up, and he had done his first solo album. And it slaps. Uh, dude, I'm being honest. I'll be real. You're the second person I've heard that from. My friend Felipe like sent me a picture of his of Harry's new album. He's like, dude, it's a banger, bro. Yeah, I know, dude. Harry's not it slaps. Um, um, but, and so yeah, at this point, Harry is so unbelievably famous, especially in England. Yeah, right. T- Twenty seventeen. I mean, the, yeah, he chopped all his hair off. Yeah, and fans were like, "Oh no, oh no!" And then they're like, "Actually, we like it this way." And yeah, and he would just—I think his daughters knew who, obviously, know where uh, Christopher Nolan. Oh, I was about to say, wait, Harry Styles' no, daughters? Christopher Nolan's daughters knew who he was, <laughs> and were like, "You should hire this guy." And he goes, "All right," and he's just like, <laughs> "Whatever." And, yeah, exactly, because he has no idea. Yeah, right. And uh, he's like, "Oh no," <laughs> he's like, fuck. Oh man, he's really famous, right? I mean, that's, that's well. See, I that's remember. Sort of funny. I remember a lot of negative news articles about that. Like, Harry Styles is in the new Nolan movie. It's, like, not gonna see it. It's like, did they not learn when he, when he, you know, cast Heath Ledger? Because that was the same thing with Heath Ledger. And then you know, oh, because no one has anything nice to say. You know, blew the fucking roof off the place. I know, dude. And he and he, Harry Styles is great. I, uh, I mean, yeah, and no, complaints. and he's not really in the movie for that long. Um, and you know, we hadn't mentioned this, but there's very little dialogue. Yeah. It's all action, which I loved. Took me a while to figure that out. I was like, why is... Oh, he's trying to tell the story through... Yeah, and... um, the scoping of of everything. And what's great about the soundtrack uh, is the ticking, right? It's... um, Oh, yeah. He Uh, had given Hans Zimmer his his pocket watch that he wears and he's like I want to incorporate the ticking of right? course Christopher Nolan has a pocket of watch of course he does right and and so they incorporated the ticking and it only stops when they're safe on the train at the very end and you can hear it stop so um, Harry Styles says something and um, oh it was the the blind man yeah uh, he didn't know he was blind he just like that guy didn't even look us in the eye yeah and uh, Alex yeah I think is the character and then, and then you can go and it stops mm-hmm. right and it's the first time it stopped since the movie started right um, because it's all about building the tension and mm-hmm. uh, and the ticking comes in different forms uh, in different um, styles of of music and different instruments the ticking does right um and, you know, I always felt the ticking 
you know, really heighten when we're in the plane. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, I think the plane is the most intense storyline in the whole movie. Because not only is he having to defend, you know, the guys on the ground, but he also doesn't know how much fuel he has. Yeah. And he's having to do the math. Poor... uh, Poor Tom Hardy, man. He gets the shit into the stick on this one, man. Yeah. Because they're all they're all fine when we see them, and then little by little, his his gauge gets broken. Yep. So he doesn't know how much fuel, he, fuel he's got. So yeah, he's having to do math. It's cool how he does it because yeah, he, he, yeah, he uses the chalk on his and, and he has to ask the guy how much fuel he has. And he goes, okay, so that's how much fuel I have because we have the same amount when we left. Mm. Right, and so he's having to, you know, do the math. With and then the he's looking at his watch, and he's like, oh, "Okay, okay." And so that way, he doesn't need to rely on him, the other guy, which is good because mm. that other guy ends up, you know, going down for the count. You know, yeah. Which, yeah, I, that was another scene where I felt very intense when Collins goes down. Oh yeah, and he can't can't get out. And I was like, "Oh my god!" He can't get out of the and you're seeing the water. Yeah. Right. And, and I, the ticking, the t- and you're just like, ah, come on. Yeah. And like, I, I was watching the special features after I finished watching it and he was talking about, he was like, yeah, you know, I've been, I've been on, he was like, you know, Chris, you know, has this all do this stuff. Yeah. Which is another thing I love about Chris Nolan is that it's all practical. Yeah. That, you know, if he ever has to use CGI, he melds it perfectly yeah, it's where you very, can't tell. Yeah, it, it's sort of how um, Scorsese uses it and how David Fincher uses it, where they don't – they use it to world build, not to not to build everything. Right. They use practical effects and add CGI around it, right? right. Kind of like um, – <clears throat> Kind of like George Miller in uh, Mad Max yes, Fury Road. Yes, it's absolutely how like that. 90% of the film is all practical. Yeah. Except for a couple of scenes where he had to add in CGI, like uh, like obviously the Desert Storm. Yeah. And then you see one of the war boys when he rolls off yeah. the, the car after it it's spikes exactly up. exactly like that. Yeah, anyway. Because, uh, uh, you know, I remember when The Dark Knight Rises came out, uh, I watched the special feature of how they did the plane in the very beginning. Oh, yeah. And it's a real plane. Was, <laughs> well, like when they when they tip it this way? Yes. Oh, no, I, I can like, see my what? arm. What? You know, I yeah. just couldn't believe that they used real planes. <laughs> yeah. But, no, yeah, so, so yeah, like, I love that Chris Nolan uses practical effects. And so this poor guy <laughs> had to sit in that cod pit, and had, I'm sure they slowly lowered him into the water, but you just see that water coming up, and you're like... <laughs> And he's trying to get his flare gun yeah. to bust open the. Oh my god, dude! I know. I was like sitting up. I was like, oh my god, it's oh my really god. intense. I mean, the whole movie's like that, right? Mm-hmm. Until they're on the train, you're just like, oh my god, they're in so much danger all the time. Yeah, you know. Um, yeah, and then oh man, god, there's just ah, there's so much. There's a lot. I know, man, and and I just want to press pause and talk about all the. I would refer to it as an ensemble cast of mm-hmm. all these actors <clears throat> that... And that was the first time I'd seen that guy in anything, and he ended up being in that um, 
in that Black Mirror thing. Which uh, guy? The main actor. Oh, the guy who plays Alex? Yes. Because uh, uh, okay. he, um, or Tommy, or whatever his name was. No, uh, Harry Styles is, is Tommy. Uh, Harry Styles is Tommy. Thanks. Yeah. So, because <laughs> uh, he was in that Black Mirror thing where it's the choose your own adventure. Uh, Bandersnatch? Yes. Yeah, um, I haven't it, seen any Black Mirror stuff. That's insane. <laughs> Everyone says I should, it, but. Well, because it's incredible. Anyway. Uh, but I've also heard it's exactly like the Twilight Zone. Okay. <laughs> we don't have time. Uh, so, um, yeah, I had, I had never seen that guy in a movie before, and so it didn't distract me, right? Yeah. Harry Styles, for a second, distracted me, because I was like, oh, that's Harry Styles, yeah, that, and I was over it. Exactly. Because right? I'll be honest, I was starting to look for him. I was like, okay, where where's he at? Where's old... Oh, I'd uh, forgotten he was in it. Where's old Harry style? Yeah. And then I see him like, oh, there he is. Oh, there okay. he is. And I'm over. But like, uh, you know, Kenneth Branagh. Um, I love Kenneth Branagh. Yeah, dude. Um, you know, I forget sometimes that he's a director. Because oh, he's, yeah. he's such a good actor, too. And... Um, oh, man. And then, you know, we, we, got, we got Tom Hardy, Killian Murphy. Um, and I want to know, from a technical standpoint, how many extras they had to hire... To play all of those soldiers. It's a really good point because there's that, you know, not only is there the aerial shots um, oh, after his after his fuel finally runs out. Yeah. Uh, you, we get those beautiful aerial shots of the soldiers in, on the on the beach. Mm. Uh, that could have been done CGI. But I don't know because there's that there's that shot of when they're all our, in the mole. Yes, and he has to duck, and because the bombs are coming down, mm-hmm. and. Um, and as he's he's covering his head and his ears, uh, we see all of those people get down too. You know what I mean? And it's like that's that seemed like real people. I mean, it yeah. didn't seem CGI to me. And also like the all the helmets on the boat, you know, and, oh, they're, yeah, and they're all ducking, and you can see the you know uh, the wave as they duck, right? The wave of of people as mm. they yeah, that's incredible. And, I don't know, man. I would under I would. I would assume they're real people, and it's just a ton of extras. Yeah, dude. You know, I wonder if it was like a situation of because uh, I this all the, the only reason why this example came to my mind is because you handed me the movie today, but uh, of in uh, Wet Hot American Summer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be a weird example. <laughs> all, <coughs> excuse me, everyone. All the kids, uh, a lot of those kids that don't have speaking lines are just extras, mm-hmm. um, and they put out an ad. Because, you know, they filmed at an actual camp. They filmed at an actual camp. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I would assume that they had... Um, and they put out an ad yeah. in the local paper. Their pa- oh, God, dude. Wow. Paper. Paper. Um, <clears throat> so essentially, it was like, do you want to be in a movie? Come up here from this time to this time. Yeah. And that was about it. And did you know they lied to the owners of the camp? I did. They were like, yeah, it's a, it's a family-friendly movie. And then when this it came is- out, they were like, take our names off. This is not the way out of America. I'd be yeah. up with. Um, <laughs> Fucking love them. So. Got to get you back on track. So. <laughs> okay. Anyway, but yes. So maybe. I would assume that, you know, it's sort of like a um, Peter Jackson thing mm-hmm. where he had to hire all of those extras to make the, the orc sounds when the with the orc army. So what he did was he put them all in a, um, a football stadium and have them make noise 
and like oh. war noise, right? Battle cries or whatever, and he would just record them doing that, and that's how he got his sound. Right? I'm surprised you, uh, um, like, I'm surprised you knew that. And I love Lord of the Rings. I do too, and know a lot of the the tricks. And my <coughs> my mom is a huge Lord of the Rings fan, and so we would watch the special features all the time. Yeah, especially the, the, the appen- extended the appendices. Yes, the appendices. The seven hours of extra content that after when you get to the three hour mark, you're like, oh my god, there's more. Yeah. <laughs> Like, this isn't um, over? So, yeah, I would assume it's a lot of practical effects like that. Um, you know, and and in the special features, you know, they, they talk, you know, they interview the mayor of Dunkirk, mm-hmm. the current mayor, well, from two years ago. I don't know if he's the current mayor now. Uh, but he was like, you know, everyone was so excited for them to be here and doing this and celebrating Dunkirk. And I don't know. Maybe they got uh, people from actual Dunkirk. That's a really good point. Um, like, hey, you want to be in the movie? Yeah, hey, you want to be in the movie? Uh, you want to mm-hmm. be in? Uh, you want to be in Dunkirk? Yeah, just say so you put on the helmet and stand right there. That's right. And duck when we say so. Um, yeah, I don't know, uh, but yes, you were right. From a from a technical standpoint, it is pretty incredible. Like a lot of the camera work, especially on the planes, mm-hmm. um, because there are shots that are independent from the plane, meaning they had to have been strapped on a another plane that isn't a part of it. It's just to get the shot. Right. Just to get to the plane going through the air. Yes. So yeah. just to film the two planes, it has to be strapped to another one. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, some of those shots are great, too. Oh, yeah. Right. Um, Dude. And, like, yeah, that's something else they talk about in the special features of, you know, uh, not to flex, but they used IMAX cameras. <laughs> they did. And, yeah. you know, they're – I don't know if he's still a cameraman for him, but there's a guy that used to – work with Christopher Nolan that could just handheld them. Um and they're they're really heavy. <laughs> it's yeah, they interviewed him too and he was like he was like, Yeah, you know, you you get it done. He was like, Yeah, they are heavy, but you get it done. Let me let me see. Yeah, because he worked on uh Interstellar um Hoyt Van Hoy Yeah, because he I mean he just like hoist that thing on his shoulders and well, let's go. Yeah, he did he did Interstellar um, you had Dunkirk. Oh shit! We we're just talking about this movie. You had Spectre. Oh, <laughs> I mean, sidebar. But Spectre, as much as me and you shit talked it off mic, it is a very beautifully shot film. I mean, no, that's uh, yeah, that's not to be argued. Uh, um, but he, yeah, so I mean, that guy and he did Adastra. The the only the only complaint I would have for a Christopher Nolan movie. Mm-hmm is camera consistency, meaning we're going from full screen to widescreen um, because we use the IMAX cameras for the plane shots, but then when we cut to the boat, we're back to, you know, normal 35-millimeter cameras. Oh, you want to know why? I know why. Why he does that? Yeah. Because he does it in all of his movies. Um, and, uh, you know, and you know, I don't remember when I started noticing it. It was probably in Batman Begins, maybe. <laughs> but because um, he does it a lot in Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises, and he does it in Interstellar, and he does it in, you know. Um, yeah. Do you want to know why? Sure. Because uh, they use the 35 to record dialogue. Uh, they can't, because they, according to them, the IMAX cameras are so noisy. Yeah. When they're, when they're filming, <clears throat> it's impossible to do dialogue. Mm-hmm. So when they ha- when they have to record dialogue, they go back to the thirty five. But we still have dialogue in the planes. Well, it's probably because the planes are just as loud, so they're canceling it out. Because they yeah, I showed like uh, the 
in the special features, they show, like, the mechanism. Well, I mean, obviously, it's ADR, but, I mean, you could just ADR all of it if you wanted to. Uh, like, it's a, you know, like, it's an Italian film, you know? Um, <laughs> Italian well, filmmakers. What are that, you, Rick Dalton over here, like, <sighs> criticizing how they, Italians make their movies? And that's actually how they make the movies, by the way. That's so crazy. I'm really glad that that movie teaches people how Italians make movies. Because, it's a fucking farce. That's my that's, favorite line. Because that's says. real. Because they, they just have people speak their own language and they just dub over it. That, that is my that is my favorite line that he says in, line? in his rant about <laughs> doing spaghetti westerns. Just, you, I, 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 have you ever seen a, a, an Italian film? It, it, it's it's a fucking farce. <laughs> and his stammering cracks my shit up. Sorry. Welcome back to the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood podcast. Shout out to our first episode ever. Uh, um, Jordan actually asked if we were going to talk about that. And I was like, we may. I was like, yeah, maybe. But not right now. No. Right uh, now it's Dunkirk. Right now it's Dunkirk. So... Um, yeah, so the, the IMAX cameras. Again, I love the look of the IMAX cameras. Mm. I wish the whole movie looked like that. I well, can understand why he doesn't. Apparently, Tenet will also be filmed the exact same way. Okay. Well, I mean, it's it's now his style, right? Yeah. This is this is an auteurist film just like anything else. Well, you know what I mean? And it's funny you bring up Interstellar because apparently that's when they really played with it. Yeah. was Interstellar. And they said a good portion of this one. Is it Interstellar was almost like half and half? Mm-hmm. Half of it was IMAX, half of it was 35 millimeter. But this one was going to be, majority was going to be IMAX. That's cool. Yeah, I'd like that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, poor that guy, because he's got to, you know, lift that 100-pound camera he, he looked pretty stocky in the no, special no, features. The dude's, the dude's yoked. I mean, he can do it. So he's probably like, bro, bro. This is a... All day. He's like, this is a, this is my one-hour workout. All day. <laughs> so, um... <laughs> anyway... So we talked about that. Killian Murphy's amazing. Um, we'll yeah, Shivering that. Soldier. Yeah, you know, I really like Killian. Killian Murphy is a master of accents uh, oh, yeah. because he has such a thick Scottish accent. Yeah, and he nails that British accent. He does, and he nails perfectly. an American accent. I, you know, when he's when, um, he, when he's Crane in yeah. in Dark Knight, when he's <sighs> the only villain to be in all three. By the way, did, did you know he wasn't expecting that? Yeah. Um, he he was. I watched the GQ with him, and he was like, "Yeah." He was like, "I had never expected to return." Yeah. And then Chris calls me up. And he's like, "Hey, uh, I need you for The Dark Knight." And he was like, "It gives okay. a good, you know, with those movies, it gives a good sort of uh, familiarity with all three. Yeah. Now we um, see Crane and all three. Yeah. Anyway, so Killian Murphy's the knockout in this, which is great. Even though you know he's a part of the Georgie shit, which I don't care for. Um, yeah. And that that actor, he's great. He's been in a few things. Killing of a Sacred Deer recently, which is amazing. Oh, yeah. Uh, Benny... Oh, fuck. I can't pronounce his last name. Yeah, I don't know. So... Uh, he's going to be in uh, Eternals. Let's talk about... Um, let's talk about Tom Hardy for six hours. So, uh, okay. Tom Hardy's okay. amazing. Um, um, he's the only reason why the Venom movie is here, remotely good. Here, here are the hundred things I like about Tom Hardy. One. His name. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, we have the same uh, pinky thing. Um, Zach just lost his shit over that probably because <laughs> we, we got the same pinky thing. Anyway, um, our pinkies are broken. Uh, three. His tattoos. Uh, four. Uh, his, his haircuts. Five. Uh, the his, fact that he always has something over his mouth. His baby blue eyes. Uh, six. Anyway, no, but I I think I'm Tom Hardy's amazing in this. I'm pretty sure everyone would stop listening if you just kept listing. Not true. Not true. I have lots of friends that love Tom Hardy, too, so it's fine. Um, 
Tom Hardy is universally loved. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I think Tom Hardy's amazing in this. I Again, he is my favorite part of the movie. You know, I know that the movie wants us to really uh, focus and and love the the guys on the mole, right? They right. we really want to stick with these guys on the, you know, in on the beach. Right. They are stuck. I don't know. <laughs> don't cast Tom Hardy in the coolest role then because I'll be real, I was like I was like, please don't kill Tom Hardy. <laughs> And, uh, like, well, they they kind of did. Um, well, you don't know. You you're right. I don't know. Um, <laughs> like Game of Thrones, was it uh, on screen death? Oh boy. Then you don't know. Um, I don't watch Game of Thrones. Uh, you so, should. <laughs> what I what I really really liked mm-hmm. uh, about um, the plane stuff. Yeah. So the plane stuff is amazing. And of course, the 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 camera work is amazing. Um, I really like the use of sound, especially when he loses all fuel, right? Um, the, the engine it's just quiet, dies. quiet, mm-hmm. right? And he's just, and he still goes back and shoots down the, the plane, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, amazing, right? And, you know, it's one of the, it's one of those things where they're using your familiarity with Tom Hardy, uh, to really impact the end because, you know, his face is covered the entire movie. You see a little bit of his face in the very beginning and then he puts on the mask mm-hmm. and then that's it, right? He doesn't take it off again. You just hear him talking. Right. <clears throat> um, and at the very end when he lights the plane on fire, he's finally landed and he's, uh, he's watching it burn. As the enemy comes to grab him, he doesn't have his mask on, right? Right. You're like, oh, there's Tom, and there he goes, right? Uh, yeah, and uh, I will say, man, so yeah, so so when he runs out of fuel, and I want to know how his plane stayed in the air as long as it did. I'm sure he could still pull up on the on the wings, he can still manipulate the wings, yeah. But you know, um, you know, another example of, of, of Chris Nolan not using any dialogue mm-hmm. to stress tension. And so it's when he's about to land and he flips on his landing gear. Oh, and it doesn't. And then it doesn't open up. He has to up, manually do it. And yep. he realizes, like, oh, shit. And he's he's pumping away. And you can see him clearly getting closer I mean, he doesn't closer. miss a beat either. He goes, oh, it didn't work. Okay. You know what I mean? It's like, no big deal. This is every day for me. You know but what I mean? but I, dude, I was like, I was like, oh my god, like hands like gripping my knees. That's you can, a good point, though, Rain. That might be why I also really liked it because it's problem solving. Mm-hmm. It was constant problem solving for Tom Hardy. No. And I mean, not to say not for everybody else. It but yeah, was, no, it's, it's more significant in the plane because it's it's sort of like all is lost, but in a plane, which I really like. Yeah, because you know he, his fuel gauge goes out, so he's got to calculate. Okay, this is how much fuel I got left. Um, but he, it goes down. He runs out of fuel. Well, and you know, and then he when he run, he knows he runs out, and he switches to the reserve. The reserve, yeah. Because that's when he's like, okay, I'm out. Got to use the reserve. Yeah. Because he almost does at one point. I notice his hand goes for it, but he's like, no. Because he knows if he switches to the reserve now, yeah, he's fucked. Right. So he waits it out, <clears throat> sees the engine start to die, and then flips it over. Yeah. But now, did you think? Because for a second there, uh, when Mr. Dawson mentions that his son is a pilot, oh, do you think it was going to be Tom yeah. Hardy? I was like, oh, it's Tom Hardy. So did I. And so, Collins is going to be like, that's your son? And I didn't have the reaction you did. I was like, oh, it's going to be Tom Hardy, isn't it? 
too much coincidence. I don't like it. Uh, right. And but then after our last episode was all about coincidence. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> different. I don't know. Different kind of coincidence because that one, you know, Magnolia. Coincidence is the theme. This is not the theme, right? Right. In this one, and so if he would have been like, oh yeah, he's a, you know, yeah, his name is Farrier, or well, actually, I don't think we got his name. We might not have. I, I think that. Name. I think that was just his code name, Farrier. Um. But and so I was like, oh no, is it gonna be that morning? And then it wasn't. I was like, thank God. Yeah. When the, when the oh, son. Oh thank God, his son's just dead. <laughs> uh, like oh oh no oh, oh no. no. Uh, yeah, when the son's like, oh, yeah, my brother died three weeks into the I was war. Like, oh, thank God, it's not Tom Hardy. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think that's lazy. I, I wouldn't have liked that. And so I'm really glad that, because after the Georgie shit, I was like, no way. I love that you keep calling him Georgie when no one at all in the movie calls him Georgie. It's that's just, his name. It's just George. Oh, just okay. George. Sorry. Um, but you're making him sound like a little kid, and I'll be honest. I mean, he impulsively jumps on the boat, and they're like, you know where we're going, right? And he's like, yeah. I was like, yeah, something fun. You know what I mean? <laughs> what a loser. Bro, Germans killing people? Finger guns. Count me in. Yeah, I don't know, man, Georgie. <laughs> George stuff. You know, I just didn't care for it. But. Bill Dembro over here. But then again, I mean, the, the, the boat stuff is also very compelling mm-hmm. if you, if I ignore that other part. <laughs> right? Um, you know, and speaking from another technical standpoint, I really want to know. How they sunk all these fucking boats. That's a really good point. Without, you know, causing damage to the ocean. I mean... I mean... Not to say that I'm, you know... I mean, I am a bit of a, you know, like, sea... What's the word? I can't think of the word. Conservationalist? Activist? Yeah, sure, that's you. Uh, but you know, I just want to know how they did it. Cause, I don't know. That's a really good because it does it does look incredibly practical. I mean, it wasn't. Um, yeah, it wasn't you know Michael Bay, ugh. Pearl Harbor ugh. type shit. Come on, man. Um, I'm gonna give you two and a half hours of love story and uh, thirty minutes of action. Okay, okay. Oh, I hate Michael Bay. Um, the only good thing about that is Benny Affleck. Benny Affleck. So. <laughs> you bring up a good point because yes, we do see not one but several ships. Yeah, sank. the the medical ship at the mole at the beginning of the movie. It that goes down. one is the most impressive because they're touching it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, clearly, they're touching the ship. Um, um, I think the ones from the air we can see sink. That one could be CGI. Yeah, I mean, it might not be. I mean, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, because because we the Dutch ship goes down, mm-hmm. and then the. Um, Shit, I don't remember what they called it, but the other gunner ship mm-hmm. goes down. Yeah, and I really want to know how they did the oil because I know, I know they wouldn't intentionally flood the sea with real oil. Well, of course not, rain. Well, it's I, a movie. But I still want to know what they did. I want, I want to know how. I don't know. I asked you the same question on Cool Hand Luke with the dog. You know. Oh, but I had an answer to that. Yeah, I know. But this time I don't. Well, um, you should. I know. I mean, my my thing is they probably had something that looked like oil that wasn't going to damage your precious sea. And um, <laughs> look, man, we're going to be in like in a Wally situation over here. Well, this poor little robot's going to be cleaning up our mess while we're all getting fat up in space. Whatever, I'll be dead by then. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I can't even fucking look at you now. <laughs> Yeah, whatever. Who cares? Oh, God. Whatever. That's like, what, 10 years from now? I'll be dead by then. So. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So, okay. Um, 
practical effects, you're right. I have no idea. And I don't, I mean, there are several ways to do the, the fire on the water. Yeah. Um, and of course the oil could have been done CG too and just have the guys just already have it caked on. Pre-oiled. Or, yeah. Pre-oiled. Pre-oiled. Um, uh, that, that's my answer to that. All right. I mean, um, I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure there's like a, a mixture out there that you can do of, you know, because I'm sure it's some sort of oil, but not. You know, I don't know. I feel like it doesn't matter. Just, I, I honestly couldn't care any less. It's <laughs> it's it's, uh, it's just a lot of balsamic vinegar. <laughs> just. <laughs> Oh boy! Um, <laughs> oh man! Wake me up when you're talking about the oil <laughs> in the water um, again. Oh, oh, is he done? Okay, great. So, so I want to talk about the Gibson character really quickly. Sure. Because um, for a while, I I was like, it's like he. I think he's a spy. Because he hadn't talked. They make you think, and you know, for a while you don't notice because not a lot of people are talking, right? It's yeah. only when we start um, rendezvousing with the other soldiers and they start talking a whole bunch, we start noticing. Like, hey, he this guy doesn't, right? Well, I noticed it when they got on the the one the the one ship, and you know the 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 nurses leading all the oh, guys yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah, right down yeah, here, and he yeah, kind of. Yeah, years off. Any jets, right? Yeah, I was like, that's that's a little strange. Yeah, um, and what what he did was he put on a a British soldier's uniform, right? Mm-hmm. He was a Frenchman because he wanted it also out of Dunkirk, but he lives there. Yeah, see, and, and I like how they set that up because you see some French soldiers trying to get on the boat as well, yeah. and these English soldiers are like, no, right. you have your own boats. Yeah. These are for us. Right. And, and then that guy just slips right by him with the, the guy on the... The gurney. Yeah. Oh, the stretcher. Yeah, yeah with uh, <clears throat> with Alex. Man, that gurney stuff really stressed me out. I know, dude. And then when they're... Well, and then, you know, they're just... Then, you know, they bring up a good point. When that ship starts going down, they're just like, what about the wounded? And they're like, ah, I got and, yeah, and, yeah, and Kenneth Branagh is just like... I guess they're dead now. Yeah. You know? Uh, I mean, it's not much you can do, you know? Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, it just gives you the, the weight of the situation they were in. And the whole movie's like that. The whole movie just really tells you, hey, man, this was no fun at all. Like, this was, you know, what you think it was. It was worse. Look, you know? Yeah. Uh, especially when the bodies start flowing up, uh, you know, washing um, up on shore mm-hmm. from the tide, you know? And it's like, oh, shit. You know? Yeah. You know, it's – World War Two was a – you know, just like all all the history I've read about it, things I've seen, you know, doesn't put it really into perspective until you kind of know what the situation these men were in. Right. You and, know? you know, this one really puts that, you know, into perspective. That and like the first 30 minutes saving Barbara Ryan. Yeah. Uh, with the... You know, beach at Normandy. Um, agreed. So, this is your first time watching it. Yes. <sighs> I saw it in the theater, not to flex, saw it in IMAX. It was amazing. Well, I'm definitely going to see Tenet in IMAX. You got to, dude. Because um, Nolan lives in IMAX. <laughs> um, 
first reactions, movie's over. We see the, the plane on fire. We cut back to, to Alex on the train. It's over. Were you like, what? That was so good. What, what, what was your reaction? I, first time saying it. I was like, wow. Like that, that just happened. Was, you know? I mean, were you like super tense? Were you noticing how tense you were the whole movie? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I was. Because well. I, I noticed when I started it, <clears throat> I wasn't necessarily relaxed, but I was more just kind of like, okay, like, here we go. Mm-hmm. Let's do this. And then, you know, from that opening scene when Alex is the sole survivor of his little troop yeah, that gets shot down left and right, and you don't know where it's coming from. Right, because you don't see this. I mean, that's brilliant. That and, then, show you and then his soldiers. rifle jams. So, you know, he makes it over the, yeah. the fence, and he's like, <gasps> and you see the bullet is jammed, and I'm like, oh, my God. Like, Jesus Christ, yeah. we're only 10 minutes in, yeah. and this guy's troop just, you know, got decimated. Yeah. Um, that's when I started to feel kind of tense, and then it just continuously built. Builds and built and, and built, built right? and built. And, yeah. you know, I feel like the most tense I was was when Tom Hardy runs out of fuel. And I'm like, oh, he's fucked. No, no. Uh, he's yeah. fucked. And, and then when you hear that other plane, I was like, oh, man, they are screwed yeah um and and then you know i felt like some sort of relief when tom lands perfectly yeah i was like oh my god he's not because you see because you see his landing gear slowly start to yeah, move yeah, down yeah. and we see him getting closer and closer and closer and then we land so it's like oh okay i know and then uh yeah. and then i was like okay i think it i think the worst is over and then when he gets kind of surrounded, mm-hmm. at first I was like, oh, okay, it's the French. But then you briefly see one of the Germans' the helmets. helmets, and yeah. he, it's got the like, oh, spike on it. Uh, I was like, it's oh, a shit. Yeah. Even the shape of it, you're just like, ah, oh, it's a German helmet. Yeah. yeah. So which means he must have landed way behind enemy lines because he, he didn't turn around, which I – nitpicky. <laughs> you would think he would have tried to turn around. Yeah, because if you he know? turned around to take down that – other plane he could have easily he probably had enough room or to just kept around. circling the beach until he got you know uh but whatever i mean this is how it worked out yeah um you know nolan giving us some realism he probably would have just kept going until he ran out of fuel yeah or you know ran out of air i guess or you know slowly you know gravity slowly pulling him down and something else i noticed none of these i mean and i know like Deploying parachutes during World War II, during the 40s, wasn't, you know, as safe as it is now for for the men and women in armed forces. But no one uses a parachute. And they even say, like, did you see shoot? Right. Well, in his case, you know, I mean, he couldn't even get the cockpit open. You know what I mean? No, Tom could. Well, Tom could, but Oh, not, you're talking about Collins. Yeah. He couldn't even get the cockpit open. So, he's the only one we care about a shoot. Well, the other ones we don't give a but shit he, about. But he, he does pull open the cockpit before he crashes. And then he Yeah, because he... I, you know, I think about that because uh, I think he's just like, you know, he's not sure what he's going to do right now and so he kind of just opens it and leans back, you know? Takes a breath... Okay, I got it. And then he closes it and he goes, okay, I'm just going to go. And he does this maneuver right before he hits. He pulls up and then smacks down. Yeah, I think he's realizing, he goes, ah, landing gear. (laughs) Right. Or something. You know what I mean? Like you can can see him almost have 
have the epiphany or something or, you know, re- realization. Yeah. Right? Because he just opens it and leans back. And then he goes, oh, right. You know, and then he slams it shut and then he starts getting to work, you know. Yeah. Uh, and not right away with the landing gear. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, but no, I, I, I enjoyed the movie, you know, and, you know, one of the things I also really liked is the part where they're getting on the train. Excuse me. My nose is starting to get stopped up again. Uh, they're getting on the train. And, you know, so, as you know, I watched the movies with subtitles. So I knew the guy oh, was I've blind. Completely <laughs> forgot you watched movies with subtitles. He, it's credit, he's credited blind man. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. Wow. You know, that's uh, the Nolan's uncle. That's John. Oh, really? Nolan. Um, well, anyway, um, and what I also liked is how, you know, because I'm sure these in real life, you know, these British soldiers felt, you know, uh, shame. That right, they, because they had to be saved. And right? had, had, to re- had to retreat. And, you know, I felt like Harry Styles really delivers that perfectly. Yeah. You know, the guy wouldn't even look at us. Yeah. And, you know, and and I also like that Alex doesn't reassure him. Right. Like, no, he's just blind. Yeah. You know, because Alex knows because the guy touches his, his face. face. Yeah. And then that's when Alex is like, oh, nah. he's blind. Nah, he's blind. But it's not until, you know, Alex starts reading the paper. Yeah. Aloud to Tommy. Then Tommy realizes, like, oh, we're being honored. Yeah. Like, people are just glad we made it home. Right. You know, and I think that's when the kind of that realization realization sets in that, you know, these people are just glad we're home. Right. Because, I mean, it would have been a completely different movie if it was, you know, I I did all that work to survive and I'm home and no one gives a shit. In fact, they're mad at me. Right. Right. Uh, Which is, I can only imagine is a real fear everybody had was yeah we made it out but for what you know no yeah. one's no one's gonna be happy you know we had to be saved we weren't being heroic at all we had to you know mm. whatever which is definitely something I would have felt you know oh, yeah. I felt really shitty about it but um, so yeah I agree I think that um, that was a really good added uh, piece of dialogue mm. um, sidebar sorry because yeah. I mean <laughs> Because I mentioned Pearl Harbor. Uh, so, you know the guy uh, Kubu King Jr. plays? Um, yes. That's a real guy. Uh, my friend Daniel, who used to be my manager at Simply like Mac, is related to the guy he was playing. That's interesting. Yeah, like a couple of generations. And, yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I mean, not to, not to flex for Daniel's story or anything like that. I mean, you kind of just did. So... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so I, I really enjoyed the movie. I mean, I love Chris Nolan. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've been trying to, I was like, kind of told, I, I was talking to you about when uh, I decided we should talk about this movie, is I'm really trying to immerse myself in Chris Nolan mm-hmm. before Tenet comes out. Yeah, a lot of people don't, I, I do hear a lot of criticisms about Chris Nolan. <laughs> Chris Nolan, Jesus, I'm doing what you're doing. Christopher Nolan, I don't know him. So Christopher, of course we know him. No, we don't. Um, Christopher Nolan's stuff, because of the the puzzle boxy sort of, the narrative matters more than the than the characters, right? He gets a lot of flack for that. I, I would disagree. I, I would too. Um, because without a solid narrative, 
then we have no place for these characters to go. Yeah, I mean, you could see it other way. Because, I mean, in in the next few weeks, we're going to discover that character is driving these uh, these narratives, not the other way around. Right. Um, but, I mean, it's almost like a double, double-edged sword, you know. Because, you know... You know, we live in a day, you know, in a golden era where, you know, Marvel is dominating the box office. You know, they're actually cranking out good comic book movies. Sorry, Alex. Or sorry, Alex. Uh, sorry, Zach, uh, that he's <laughs> mentioning Marvel again. Uh, um, I could hear him roll his eyes. <laughs> you could hear him? Yeah. Um, but I'm only bringing that up because, you know, like... I know people compare stuff to how Marvel does it, like with their world building and stuff like that. And I know that's why Martin Scorsese said what he said. And, you know. And uh, I'm I'm on Scorsese's side no matter what. I mean. he's, you know, I, uh, he's one of the greats. I, so. made, a, I made a post because apparently Bob Iger had a sit down with him Uh-oh. about to discuss what he said, apparently. <laughs> And I was like, yeah, you know, that's why you don't challenge the mouse. Yeah, but I still love you, Scorsese. Oh, what the... Oh, my God. I, you know... Whatever. But no, but, but, the, but that kind of brings me to my point of, you know, when people criticize Nolan for narrative versus characters, is, you know, Marvel started out developing their characters first and then developing narrative. Because by this point, we know who these characters are. We know, like, with Endgame. I felt like Endgame was... Probably one of the best written Marvel movies. Okay. Because by this point, we know who these characters are. We don't need any more context, backstory. We don't need anything. We just focus on where these characters need to go. Mm-hmm. You know? And with Nolan, I feel the same thing. Like, with the Batman movies, I mean... I, I see, ba- those are really puzzle boxy, well, you know? But, but, like, with Batman Begins is my least favorite of that, of that trilogy. <gasps> The Dark Knight is the best one. Well, yeah. But but even then, he wasn't giving us... He wasn't spoon-feeding us. Like, you should know who Batman is. I'll give you a little bit of context, you know, because it's expected yeah. to give a little bit of origin. But I'm not going to... This is Bruce Wayne. Yeah. You know? I get what you're saying. And he was focusing more on the story... Of Batman. You, you would know. think that a little bit of the blame, again, when they say Nolan movies, really they're talking about both of them because they're talking about Christopher and Jonathan. Uh, okay. Jonathan wrote Memento, Inception, um, I think. I thought they co wrote those. Well, yeah, but I mean, he was, you know. But he was, Jonathan was the main. Yeah, and you can tell that a lot of the puzzle boxes, Jonathan, because if you watch Westworld, that's Jonathan, right? Oh, uh, okay. Um, and, you know, again, I love the puzzle boxy stuff. So, well, yeah, like, I, to me, Westworld was a revelation. I loved Westworld, and I, you know, and I loved Inception, and I. You know, I love all the Nolan stuff, especially Memento. Holy God, it's so good. Um, I uh, I was trying to find it on 4K. Uh, it is not out on 4K yet. Oh, not even no. uh, digitally 4K yet. <sighs> just Who cares? Just HD. Oh no! What are you gonna do? Your sensitive eyeballs. Oh man. <laughs> but anyway, I, if all I can I see say sweat is, on Guy Pierce's face. <laughs> no, I know, right? Then why not even do it? Exactly. Oh, Jesus. Um, 
I, uh, I all that to say that he he gets a bad rap, but you know, and I even read some criticism about he can't even do a war film without messing with time, right? Because uh, you know it overlaps and it's not uh-huh. linear or whatever. <laughs> but you know, I mean, I, to to properly tell a story that had a lot of different elements, I would have done. I I would have. But you would have done the same thing. I would have done the same thing because <laughs> it's it's clever to do three different storylines. Yeah. It's a it's a big event, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, I feel like if we would have gotten a linear war movie, yeah, which Chris even said in Chris Christopher Nolan, there you go, said in the special features, I didn't want to make just your cut and dry war movie. Yeah. So I feel like if he would have done a linear war movie, Mm -hmm. you know, with us, you know, cutting between the the different times. Mm -hmm. So, like, if he would have laid out the times exactly how they are, one week, one day, one hour, I don't think it would have had the same impact that he achieved with intercutting them together and, you know, them overlapping. Right. I agree. Because, you know, I don't know. It's sort of like when... And it's not – this isn't going to be a great example, <laughs> a great analogy. But uh, when Francis Ford Coppola in Godfather Part Two, when he had that shot, my favorite shot, um, when they're stealing the rug, uh, wow. and having that wide shot of um, the the police officer at the door and the, the robber with the gun, whatever uh, – using that extra space, he's assuming you've seen a movie before. Right. Christopher's doing the same thing. He's assuming you've seen a movie before. Right. And so, you know, which is amazing that we've made it this far in film history that we can use the context that other movies exist Mm -hmm. to mess with the narrative structures because you're going to use the past films you've seen as a sort of template to what you think you're going to see, and they just kind of switch that on you, which I like. Right. It's like my thing in... Sort of an existential thing. Uh, it's my thing in, like, horror movies. Mm-hmm. You know, people in horror movies act like they've never seen a horror movie before. Yeah. Except you for know. Scream. <laughs> yeah. Well, then even then, Wes Craven flips that over right, on right, Scream right, right, 4. Right. Uh, but anyway, like, again, so I really wanted to watch this because I'm... I'm super excited for Tenant. I've seen the 45-second teaser. Which is all I need, by the way. I, um, I hope they don't do any more. Tra- I know they will, but they, I mean, I'm not going to watch them. Um, I think that and I love I love that he's kept the plot under wraps. And all we know, and this is what it says on IMDb, the project is described as an action epic revolving around international espionage, time travel, and evolution. Interesting. Um, that alone excites me. And then when I look at the cast, I'm like, okay. Like, you got Aaron Taylor Johnson, Robert Pattinson, Kenneth Branagh, Michael Caine. Um, oh, Michael Caine also makes a special appearance in this one, too. He is the... Um, Wait, is he the... The intercom. Uh, in when the, Tom in the, Hardy's... Yeah. Oh, that's, that's Michael awesome. Caine. Yeah. So, sorry. I, yeah, I forgot to write that down. Um, David... Uh, John David Washington. Yeah. You know, so I'm, I'm really excited for this. Yeah, I think it's going to be pretty great. And, and I loved in the 45-second teaser, the logo flips... And then even the logo was <clears> – <throat> the last two letters of the logo were upside down. 
Yeah, I'm really excited about Tenet. I think it's I think it's going to be really interesting. Um, and of course, we won't get it for like another six months. So yeah, uh, July seventeenth, twenty twenty. Oh, that's not that far. I, I, for some reason, I thought that was it was going to be further away. Anyway, um, so would you um, like to give a tease for yes. next week? So so starting. Uh, if you're paying attention last week, starting next week is Jeremy's series of uh, stage to screen yes. adaptations, and I will let him take over from here. Yeah, so I haven't really decided on the last two, uh-huh. but I got the first two down. Okay. Uh, so the first one next week is going to be the Sunset Limited, uh, which is a adaptation of a one-act play written by Cormac McCarthy. Cormac McCarthy also wrote The Road and No Country for Old Men, oh, All the Pretty okay. Horses. Um, I love Cormac McCarthy. If you ever read his stuff, um, he doesn't use punctuation. Really? Uh, like, he doesn't use quotations. So uh, um, okay. It really does kind of drive me crazy because, um, especially on the road, no one has names either. And so... So, so when you're reading, would you eventually figure out his dialogue? He... You don't know who's saying it? He, well, you do because he says, if you don't know who's talking, I haven't written it correctly. And so I, okay. I haven't done my job right if you don't know who's talking. Okay. And so, of course, the road is... Unbelievable, and it's so great. They made that into a movie. Oh, didn't it's they? brilliant! It's so good. Yeah, isn't a uh, Vigo? Oh, okay, that's yeah. right. And it's incredible. I've I've seen that movie a bunch. of times. I only saw the trailer, and <clears throat> Vigo looked like uh, Joel Edgerton a little bit in certain shots of the trailer. I could see how you'd say that. So that's why I'm glad you you said it, and I didn't look like a fool. Uh, I, I could see how you said that, but um, <laughs> I mean, not really. But um, yeah. So Cormac McCarthy next week. Uh, and I noticed that uh, Tommy Lee Jones directed yes, this Tommy adaptation. Yes, Lee Jones directed it. He is in it along with Samuel Jackson. Um, and so the whole movie is a conversation, and it's just them two. Yes, okay. in the same place in the in the same studio apartment. Okay. So it's brilliant. It's dense. Shout out to my boy Keegan. Uh, he is also a huge fan. Okay, so uh, I, I saw him like. Yeah, he's freaking so out. Yeah, on Facebook. so he's really excited about it. When I gave him my copy uh, to watch because I thought he would really dig it, uh, I didn't get it back. Uh, he's just <laughs> like, ah, it's mine now, man. How much do I owe you? I go nothing. I'm just glad you like it so much. You wanted to keep well, it. Well, you almost didn't get predestination. Back. I know, right? So that was harder to find because uh, <laughs> yeah, but because and I knew because uh, I was over at your house and it was bothering you that you had a space I there. Know, I, was, oh, I, know, I was like I having a space. Got to give it there. back. Because I would be the same way. I'd be like... Have a space. Yeah. Like, me and Ashley watched Elf the other night, and I our internet was down, so I, I, mean, I was like, well, let's see. It's a good thing I physically own it. Yeah. Took it off when you started watching it, and the whole time I would look at the bookshelf, and, and I'm like, ah, I want to put it back. But anyway... So, so uh, yes, the uh, Sunset Limited. Sunset Limited, Cormac McCarthy next week. Very exciting. All right. Well, we hope everyone enjoyed uh, Dunkirk. Uh, got a little bit of history and a little bit of the technical prowess that is uh, Christopher Nolan. And we will see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>